You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. centered on him, circumstances seem to tinkle and get away. They might not change. They may even get worse, but our thoughts now are on heaven. Our thoughts are now on him. We're meditating on that which is true, that which is noble, that which is of good report, that which is trustworthy, that which is lovely. We're meditating on those things and our circumstances fade. They pale in the, in the light of him. They pale. Whenever we're in the thick of it, it can be easy for us to focus our thoughts on all that's wrong, rather than all the goodness of God. Do you find yourself struggling in this area of your walk? In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you of the importance of meditating on that which is true, noble, of good report, and trustworthy, which is God. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 11, as he continues his message, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus had to remind her, believing God can do one thing is one thing, but believing that he will is a whole different ballgame, folks. Jesus was fully capable of doing this miracle without the help of Martha. He really didn't even Martha's help to roll away the stone, but he wanted to include her. God wants to include you in the scheme of things. Why? So that you can see the glory of God. He was going to do what he was going to do regardless if Martha helped or not. He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But Martha would be a part if she obeyed the Lord and rolled the stone away. She would be a part of it. She would be a part of what's happening. And then the glory of God would really mean something to her. The results would be the same, yes. But there's something about when you're involved and you see the glory of God, you go, wow. And your faith does what? Skyrockets. And that's what he's trying to do here. Oh, how we want to see the glory of God in our lives. How we want to see the glory of God in this church. And we've seen it here. We've seen healings. We've seen people get miraculously healed. We've seen things happen. We've seen wonderful things here. We want to see the glory of God. But notice Jesus tells Martha to roll away the stone. He wants to do something marvelous in Martha's life, but he needs her to act. Roll away the stone. I believe God wants to do something marvelous in all of our lives, but he needs us to do something, folks. He needs us to roll away the stone. He needs us to roll away the stone. Get rolled away the stone. Why? Expose the problem. Roll away the stone and expose the problem. But Lord, the problem stinks. Yeah, I know. Roll away the stone. Let me have access to the problem. The problem was lathers in the dead for four days. Four days, he'd lied in that tomb. And yeah, there probably was a stench, but the Lord knew what he, what he was going to do, so he rolled away the stone. Our dead and our sins and our decay must have stunk royally. He's saying, roll away the stone of your heart. Let me in. 
Let me into the stone of your heart so I can do something glorious and you'll see the glory of God in your life. Roll away that stone. Let me have that problem. Not that problem, that problem. The one that really stinks, I want it. Roll away the stone. Roll that bad boy away and let me add it. But Lord, that's the one I'm ashamed of, I know. That's why I want it. Because there's no need for you to be ashamed. There's no need for you to have guilt. There's no need for you to have unneeded pain. I died on the cross for that. Roll away that stone. Give me access to your life. Tells Martha, I gave you a promise. Did I not tell you? You would see the glory of God? Now roll away the stone. God's telling you today, if you're dealing with something that you're holding on to, that you're really, really harboring in your heart, something that you just can't let go of, God is telling you, I want to do something miraculous in your life, but I need you to roll away the stone. I need you to let me have access so that I can show you God's glory and you can participate in this whole thing. Roll away the stone. Jesus corrects her thinking and centers her thoughts on him. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? I love how he always centers our thoughts on him. When our thoughts are centered on him, circumstances seem to tinkle and get away. They might not change. They may even get worse, but our thoughts now are on heaven. Our thoughts are now on him. We're meditating on that which is true, that which is noble, that which is of good report, that which is trustworthy, that which is lovely. We're meditating on those things, and our circumstances fade. They pale in the, in the light of him. They pale. God reminds us his promises are true. Sometimes I am so far off center, and I need to be brought back. And he brings me back. He brings me back to center. Monday night, you guys are studying the book of Philippians, and you're going to get to chapter 3 when Paul's going to say in verse 1, it's not tedious that I remind you these things. In the original King James, it says, it's not grievous that I remind you these things, because it's for your good. We need to be reminded because it's for our good. We need to be reminded of what the Lord wants to do in our lives, what the Lord has to do in our lives, and what He will yet do in our lives. We need to be reminded of that now and then. We, we too need to be centered and focused on the cross. It's not tedious. We need to be reminded time to time. Verse 41, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up His eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Faith building, faith strengthening. He's now challenging the faith of those who are in earshot. These people are all standing around. Oh, you know, he's crying. Maybe he's crying because if he'd have been here Lazarus wouldn't have died. Maybe you think he could have raised Lazarus? I don't know. Couldn't he have healed Lazarus? I don't know. Jesus hears them. He knows what they're saying. He knows what's in his heart. So he says this prayer, and notice it says, he said out loud. We don't hear much of Jesus praying out loud. But here he prays out loud because he wants them to hear. He wants everybody listening to know who he is, where he came from, and who sent him. He wants them to know that he is the Christ, son of the living God. 
He wants them to know that. This is John's want for you as you read this, this account, this gospel. He wants to strengthen their faith. For them to remove the stone was a definite, remarkable step of faith. They made a step of faith and they removed the stone. Jesus compelled Martha and Mary to act on their faith, and they did by obeying Jesus Christ. That's how we act on our faith. We obey the Lord. When we obey Him and step out in faith, I don't want to talk to that guy. Yes, talk to them. I don't want to talk to that guy. Yes, step out in faith. And when you do, you see God's glory. You talk to somebody, and next thing you know, they're accepting Jesus Christ because you stepped out in faith. You stepped out in faith, and you followed the, God's, followed the Lord's command. We see how he dealt with Martha in these stages. He gave her a promise. What was the promise? Your brother will live again. That was the promise. Your brother will live again. He drew attention to himself. Get your eyes off your circumstances and put them on me. He called upon her to confess her faith. Do you believe? Do you believe what I've said? And then he drew attention to himself and said, get your eyes off of that. And then he said, now act on the faith. Roll away the stone. See the process that he used, Martha? See the strength building that Martha's going through? It's pretty cool. This is how Jesus works in our lives. He works the same way in our lives. We have these great and precious promises. That's what Peter calls them, great and precious promises. We have these great and precious promises in God's word. And he tells us to seek him with our whole heart. He wants us to confess our faith to him. Do you believe he is who he is? Do you really believe this? Have you told him so? And then he says, step out in faith. I can't step out in faith. I know you can't step out in faith. And that's why I've given you someone to help you step out in faith, the Holy Spirit. The power to step out in faith. The Holy Spirit, the motor, the engine, the one that drives you into doing, being a witness for Christ. Step out in faith and see the glory of God. Jesus prays. Praying to the Father. Praying in a loud voice. Wanted people to hear him. This is all faith building. He wants these Jews to believe who he is. He wants them to know him, to come to him and accept him as the Messiah. Let's look what happens in verse 43 as we move on. Then, when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I wonder if that echoed throughout the cave. I wonder if he stood outside the cave and yelled it, or if he took a step in and yelled it. I wonder what it sounded like. This voice of God, this voice of authority, you know? Did it sound like the guy who... Did the Moses thing? Moses. Did, did it have that powerful ringing voice? He calls Lazarus by name. Lazarus, come out. You know the old adage. There was a Puritan minister a long time ago that basically said, if he just said come out, everybody that was dead in the tomb would have come out. But he distinctly says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, Come forth. I love it. I'm sure everyone heard his cry. Were they shocked at his request? Did they stand there and go, what? He's talking to a dead guy. What's he doing? Were they shocked? Were they looking like, what is he saying? Did they realize the authority in his voice? Did that this booming, booming voice, it must have been. The authority, the tone. Were they afraid? Did they shake when they heard his voice? Did, did one of them say, like the centurion at the cross, 
No one ever spoke like that. No one ever spoke like that. No one ever spoke with authority like that. 44, and he, Lazarus, who had died, came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. What a beautiful picture we hear. When they died, they would prepare the body, and then they would almost like mummify the body. They would wrap it from head to toe in grave clothes. And inside the grave clothes, they may put incense, and they may put various perfumes and things inside the wrappings. And they wrapped it all the way up, almost like you would think a mummy looks like. Lazarus, come forth! Lazarus was like, trying to get up, trying to walk. He couldn't walk. His legs were all bound together. Now, there's some who say that the wording here kind of suggests that he might have floated out, that he might have came out. I don't know. It says he came forth. He came out. He was bound hand and foot. He came out. It must have been a wild thought when they looked at this. One commentator said, quote, Jesus fought death at Lazarus' tomb, and he plundered the grave. Lazarus comes out. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He wants those around him to help him. He wants those around Lazarus to help him. Loose the grave clothes. Take off the grave clothes. This experience with Lazarus is a good example of what happens to a sinner when he trusts in Jesus Christ as the Savior. We've read many, many, many times in one of my favorite passages in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 1, and you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sin, etc., etc., This is what happens here. Lazarus was dead. And like Lazarus, all sinners are dead. All sinners are the walking dead. The original walking dead, AMC must have copied it. The original walking dead is sinners walking in their dead. They're decayed. They stinketh, all right, because of their death. But Jesus called Lazarus by name. He called you by name, too. He called you by name, too. And remember what we studied in chapter 10? My sheep hear my voice, and they recognize me. Jesus called you each by name. You recognize his voice, and you came out of the grave. You came out of being dead into the light of life. You came out from the grave. And now he's saying, get rid of the grave clothes. Get rid of those things that have bound you up. Get rid of those grave clothes. We heard our Savior's voice, and we came forth. Lazarus was raised by the power of God. And all who trust in Jesus for salvation, and all who have given them their life, and have been lifted out of the graveyard of sin. We've been lifted up. We have been lifted up. We have been pulled out of darkness and placed into his marvelous light. God has lifted us up. Lazarus was set free. He was set free from the grave, and he's given new liberty. We who were dead in Christ are now made alive. Oh, excuse me, we were dead in sin. We are now made alive in Christ. We've been made alive in Christ. We have come forth from death to life through belief in Jesus Christ. And now we've got to take off the grave clothes. The grave clothes have to come off. We are no longer dead, but we are alive in Jesus Christ. We need to learn. We need to be discipled. 
We need to know the truth. We need to study the Word of God. We need to learn about what God expects of us. But the grave clothes have to come off. Paul calls them the old man. Paul calls them the old man. Put off the old man. Put on the new. Behold, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all is new. Take off the grave clothes. We must put off the old man. Why? Because we're different now. I can't go to the prom dressed in my grave clothes. I can't do that because they stink. I got to get rid of them. I got to jettison them. Put off the old man, the corrupting and the lust. This is the way I'm supposed to walk. I'm supposed to walk after the new man, the new nature in Christ who is righteous and holy. I'm to go for that. I'm to try to esteem holiness and try to reach holiness. But I can't do it on my own. So Christ said, no problem. I'm going to leave you a helper. I'm going to give somebody who's going to guide you along. Someone who will lead you into the truth. Someone who will show you all my ways. Someone who will help you and conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you this person. He's called the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth. And I will give him to you. He's for your guidance. The life I now live. The life that I've now lived by Christ, I live in faith. I live in faith, believing in Jesus Christ, constantly believing. Yeah, it's a one-time shot. I believe in the Lord, but does that mean I stop believing once I make a profession of faith? I am believing constantly because he has become my life. Christ is now my life. And the life I now live in Christ, I live by faith and faith alone. And as a new man, I need to trust in him for all my needs, for my guidance, and for everything that matters. But always have a choice. There will always be a choice. Will we believe in the promises of God and exercise our faith? Or will we doubt God's promises and reject His word and choose to live in unbelief? You have that choice. Why did Jesus want to strengthen their faith? Because faith believes the promises of God. Unbelief doubts God's promises. Faith believes the word of God because it's true. Unbelief doubts the word of God that it is true. Faith sees God's help is greater than any force that can come against you. Why unbelief looks at the problems and declares they're insurmountable. Faith sees Christ's love when you're being chastened. Unbelief sees anger when you're being chastened. Faith helps the soul to wait during God's delays. Unbelief gives it up during the delay. I believe in you. No, I don't. I'll take it back. Can't stand delays. You don't have faith. Faith makes heavy burdens light. Unbelief makes light burdens heavy. Faith helps us when we are down. Unbelief brings us down when we're up. Faith brings us near to God when we're far from Him. Unbelief puts us as far from God when He is near to us. Faith sets men and women free. Unbelief holds them in bondage. Faith purifies the heart. Unbelief pollutes our heart. Faith brings peace to our soul. Unbelief brings strife and trouble. Faith gives us victory. Unbelief leads to defeat. So the choice is always yours. 
You always have a choice between faith and unbelief. Always a choice. You can live by faith or you can go and live on your unbelief. But let me give you some encouragement. Even in your unbelief, even when you're struggling with unbelief, please be like the father of the man whose son had a mute spirit in him and who would throw him into the fire and the disciples couldn't cast out the demon and, and he was having problems. Luke tells this story. Jesus comes and he looks at the boy and he wants to heal the son. And Jesus says to the man, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the crier the father of the child cried out with tears, and he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. You're in a state of unbelief? You're in a state of flux? Pray to the Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. We've only been asked to do one work. We've only been asked to do one thing, and it is the hardest thing we've been asked to do. What must we do to do the works of the kingdom? Believe upon him whom he sent. Believe. Sounds easy. Sometimes it is. Sometimes not so easy. If you're in that place right now where it's not so easy, maybe you need some prayer. Maybe you need to come up and let us pray for you. Maybe you need to confess to the Lord, Lord, I'm having trouble believing. I'm having trouble believing for you in this particular situation. Help me. Help my unbelief. And allow him through his spirit to help you. Allow him through his spirit to guide you and lead you into the truth that you desperately need. God is there. And my charge to you is God will never leave nor forsake you. His love for you is more than anything you can even fathom. You cannot fathom the height, the depth, the length, the breadth of God's love. You can't fathom it. That's how much he loves for you. His thoughts for you, the scripture says, are more than the sands of the sea. So I want each of you to go over to Wild and start picking up each kernel of sand and go, this is one thought, this is another thought. See how many you can come up with. His thoughts for you are more than the sands of the sea. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he wants you to believe in him and have hope in him and have trust in him. If you're struggling today with unbelief, after reading through this chapter, oh, that happened a long time ago. No, God is still resurrecting that which is dead today. God is still taking dead sinners and making them alive. God is still taking dead marriages and making them alive. God is still taking dead relationships and making them alive. God, strong suit, resurrection. God takes anything that was dead and makes it alive again. That's his strong suit. So if you're struggling in one of those areas today, finances, whatever it might be that you're struggling in, because you're dealing with maybe some unbelief. You just can't believe God would help you in this circumstances. Oh, this is too little for God. There's nothing too small for God. Nothing too small that God can't handle. You are the book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth. But the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start 
So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- 884-5821. Keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.